So today, our talk is called The 100 Pound Foam. <laughs> the 100 Pound Foam. I was with a group recently and I heard a friend of mine uh, mention that some days it's so hard and I need help, but the phone weighs 100 pounds and I can't pick it up to reach out for the help I need. And that is uh, so common amongst so many of us. You know, this phone, oh, 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 this phone, I, I want it, but it, it weighs too much to get it up to my ear. It just weighs too much to get it up to my ear. I can manage to get it back up to the table, <laughs> but I cannot pick it up. And there's so many people who are willing to help. So, you know, if I, I remember once somebody who was part of a fellowship and I said, call people, get phone numbers and call people. And he said, but I don't know what I would say once I did. And I said, well, make the call. You'll find out. It's so simple. It's really simple. Life is very, very simple. We do not have to figure it out before we do it. We just have to do it and find out. Now, the bear of it some days is you manage to lift up that underpound phone and nobody's home that day. You're dialing and dialing and dialing. I know this because it has happened, for, I'll say for me. Uh, in life. I remember early on in my, my healing, I called so many people, not one person was home, including my mentor. And it hurt my feelings. It's like, don't you people know I'm in need? I'm falling apart here and I don't know what to do. And so I just kept going to fellowship meetings and uh, still, it was, it was one of the hardest days in all my years of healing. And and it did dawn on me, okay, there's, a, there's something good about this. There's a, because it was too coincidental. Because I had a lot of phone numbers. It was just too much. Too coincidental to realize nobody's picking up. I guess I need to sit with myself or call yet somebody else. By midnight, I found somebody. Actually, I was at a meeting and uh, a friend of mine invited me over I, I don't know if he invited me over or I asked if I could come to his place and talk and he said absolutely and he even let me smoke in his apartment I was in that great a need and he had quit smoking and he, but he said yeah you can smoke because this is a different era this is almost 30 years ago and and it helped me so much but I, I am one who usually is willing to pick up the phone. They taught me early on, my, the people who taught me, they said, you make phone calls. So you, you get numbers from people who you think have found success in what you want. And you call them and you find out what they did to uh, have their success. There's people all over the place who are too embarrassed to call, to pick up the phone, to invite someone to lunch, to ask someone to coffee, to just talk about their stuff. And I'm not talking about calling a therapist for a free session. 
that's different. We're talking about calling one-on-one with people, you know, you know, people in your church community to, uh, to, to call and say, I hurt today. I, uh, this came up today. That came up today. And so, so many, I, not so many, but enough people over the years have been angry that I never called them when something was going on in their lives. And I'm here to say, you didn't call me. I would have been happy to talk with you. You know, I, you, I don't know what happened with you, with your mother. I kept trying to call the wrong number. And uh, so that happens too. You know, if I hear about something big, I will reach out. But if you want the comfort, you, you, have, you have to call forth the healing for yourself. The, the world is lined up to serve you, to help you. But it is not lined up while it's unaware. If you want to know how somebody knows God, because you think, wow, they have some spiritual life. I I need to talk to them to find out how is it they know God so well? How is it they trust? How they're powerful manifestors. How did that come about? Boy, I really identify with them. I knew a guy, I remember when we opened the Unity of New York, we were probably open a couple of years at this point, and a young guy was upset because people didn't ask him to coffee. They didn't ask him to lunch. They didn't ask him on a date. They didn't. And he decided one week he was going to stand on the side and wait for somebody to come up to him. And they didn't. He was leaving the church. And they didn't. And he left the church. I know I remember a woman here who I liked a lot. She used to come to classes. She came on Sunday. Her name is. Uh, and all of a sudden, one day I realized I haven't seen her in a while. So I called her. I said, I haven't seen you in a while. She said, Sean, there's just too many clicks there. She said, I come to church there and nobody ever approaches me. And I said, hmm, did you approach anyone? No, they don't want me in their groups. <laughs> and I brought it up at a board meeting. And one board member said, well, she never asked me to coffee. I'd have been happy to go to coffee with her. I like her. See, we have to call forth our own social life. We have to call forth. We have to risk that somebody might not want us. I think I've told this story here. In fact, I'm sure I have. Where if I go to a party and I don't know people, I have discovered often if people are in a deep discussion, you're really not welcome to join in in that discussion. You're going to stand there, odd person out. Uh, <laughs> They ain't heavy. They is my person. I don't know that song, but you know, so we need to rewrite that. But to uh, so I'll go sit by myself in an empty room, and pretty soon there's people around me. But and what I'm doing is praying, not in a chair like that. My eyes are open. I'm happy, and pretty soon people are coming around me. Sean, oh. How do you do? I'm da 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 da. What do you do? And then suddenly a conversation starts amongst the, I've started a new clique. <laughs> and I try to remember while I'm in the, to stay open to new people coming into the conversation because I know how uncomfortable it can be. I learned this lesson when I was a teenager and I was a cater waiter at a party. And a woman I worked for at a restaurant, I was a busboy back then, uh, she just 
went and sat down in the living room with not another soul in there. Next thing you know, she was surrounded by people. And I thought, oh, that's a good one. That's a good trick. Because otherwise, you, people leave parties. Oh, nobody wanted to talk to me. And it is a risk. It's a risk to sit down in that chair in an empty room. People always, I, I, I've, now people I know have gone and done it themselves and they, they've done it with great success. And so I know it works. You gotta check your willingness. Get a lighter phone. Ouch. <laughs> See, it weighs oh. nothing now. <laughs> that thing weighs no jam. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a lot of people think God is not present. A lot of people, they have their doubts about God. Oh, God's not there for me. Why me? Well, we're because we've forgotten we're having a very human experience. All these things. Anybody here ever stepped on a bug? <laughs> that bug had a family. <laughs> that bug had a life. That bug had things going on. Squash. And that's kind of what we are with life. We have families. We have experiences. And for some of us, squash. Things happen. Trees fall on us. People are unkind. We fall in holes. I did that at the beach recently. Walking along, not paying attention. Down I went into a hole. Uh, it's not, I don't say this for us to be frightened. I say this for us to become aware. Oh, I need to love everybody one way or another so that I can love myself and vice versa. But also I need to create a God that loves me on the hardest days. Because we're all creating God. We said God created us, but really we created God. We people, we had instincts, we had sensations and so we created a god in our own like image and likeness but try, tried to elevate it a bit gave it more power more magical powers gave it a wand what have you and uh but still we created god in our image and likeness instead of the other way around and and so but we uh, many of us did not create a god that liked us that was on our side 100 percent of the time. And so it became the hundred pound prayer to face this G-O-D of our understanding because we tried to go into hiding. It's what you read about in the book of uh, Genesis with Adam and Eve. Now we all know Adam and Eve is an allegory. It's not history. But we've done it where we went against what we knew to be right, what we knew to be true, and then tried to hide from God. Tried to hide from love because we were afraid love would no longer have any use for us. We tried to hide from intelligence, power, presence, because we were afraid it would no longer have any use for us because we had sinned. And then what happens? Let's find another person who sinned worse than us. 
so we can hate them or worse loves God more than us and we can hate them because they have something we don't have and we don't not only that we don't have we're afraid we can't get I learned early on in my healing I created a God because I saw these people who had a had a God and I'd heard their stories and there's none of their stories ooh, what I would call worse than mine but I, I, these people, they had a profound love in their life. They'd had a spiritual awakening, and I wanted that spiritual awakening. I didn't want to be afraid of the phone. I wanted to pick it up no matter what it weighed. And I wanted to pick up the prayer no matter what it weighed. Because I was told I was worthy. And it didn't matter about my past. Didn't matter how my parents had treated me. It didn't matter if I had lied, if I had cheated, if I had stolen. None of that mattered. What mattered is find a relationship with a God, a higher power that loves you and loves you with an everlasting love. And then they told me, get on your knees and pray, Sean. So I thought, what the heck? I've never done that before. Let's see what happens. And I got on my knees at my bedside, and overnight my life changed radically. I did not get on my knees and say, oh, please, God. I got on my knees and said, what's up, God? What's up? This is what I see. But what I see can't be true, because what I see is so limiting and limited. It can't be that I am bad, can it? And then I would get voices. I would hear things. And I would express my gratitude. My favorite prayer, though, was to surrender to what I was told was the will of God, which was to be happy, joyous, and free. And many of you have heard me say this prayer. It, it comes from the third step of, the, of uh, the A Big Book. And it says, God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self, that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help, thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. Well, okay, so we break it down. God, I offer myself to thee. Okay, that just means to me, good, I offer myself to thee. Love, I offer myself to thee. Peace, power, intelligence, I offer myself over to that. And then it says, relieve me of the bondage of self. It took years for me to understand what that meant. Years and years. Said it anyway, memorized that prayer. But bondage of self, bondage. And at first I thought it just meant that I would want to hurt someone else or someone else would want to hurt me. That was the bondage of self because I was always feeling in danger in the world. You know, either a stranger was going to attack or a friend was going to attack him one way through gossip, criticism, whatever. And finally, a few years ago, I go, oh, the bondage of self is that I think it's all about me. I think everything I read, say, do, the look on your face, the weather, money in general, is about me. The street conditions, <coughs> it's all about me. That's the bondage of self. That will weigh me down way more than a hundred pound foam. The bondage of self that I think it's all about me. So, so relieve me of the bondage of self. Why? That I may, may better do thy will. That I may better be happy, joyous, and free. The mere fact 
that I would even include that in a prayer to be happy, joyous, and free tells me, I think it's possible. The mere fact that somebody else taught it to me tells me they think it's possible to be happy, joyous, and free. How about that? Then, take away my difficulties. Well, in the beginning, that meant my rent will be paid every month. I won't have to fear for my home. I had an apartment in New York, and I was never once late on my rent, my phone bill, or my electric bill. Never once was I late on any of those. My home was essentially secure every month. A leak here and there, which was maddening, but I was secure there. I did not, nobody. I wouldn't have to live in the street because that scared me. And so, take away my difficulties. The victory over the, here's why. That victory over them may bear witness to those I would help. I'd already been told by my mentor my life was to be one of service. My life was to be one of rising up above what troubled me so that others could see I had done that and they would ask me. Based, you know, the program I was in was based on attraction rather than promotion. And so they would see, oh, Sean, look at him 90 days ago, six months ago, a year ago. Look at the difference. How did you do that, Sean? Well, and then I would tell them what I had done. And then it's up to them. But I had to become willing that everybody in the room could become happy, joyous, and free. That I would not withhold that divine will of God from anyone. And that is why I became a minister. Because it was fun to share my story. It was a delight to get to say, oh, you know, rather than a, uh, a monologue of horror that is my past, anybody? I got to tell the joy of my healing. I got to share. Yes, it was like this, but listen to this. This when I, when I had these thoughts, this began to happen. And when I had these thoughts, this began to happen. I'm here to prove to you the phone only seems like it weighs 100 pounds. It doesn't really. Look, woo! Uh, <laughs> it, it's so lightweight. I, I, uh, I, I remember a guy that used to study with me in the city. And he, he dreaded the phone ringing in his office. And I said, from now on, whenever it rings, you make the declaration. Only friends call me here. Only friends call me. Imagine that every time you see potential spam <laughs> on your phone ID. Only friends call me. Now, you can choose to answer or not for the potential spam. And I've had a couple of potential spams that actually were valid phone calls. So it's like, mm, do I answer? But I don't hate the people that call anymore. I'm not mad at them. I hang up on them. You cannot slam a cell phone down on anybody. <laughs> you can no longer assault them with that. Uh, when, when they call us here at the church to talk about our mortgage <laughs> and our driver's insurance. And sometimes I say, Dan, you're calling a church. Or other days I'll say, you are the funniest. And then, and then just... <laughs> I'm not going to take the time to listen because we don't have anything in common. 
uh, uh, really, at this point, because they have a function to sell insurance, to sell whatever product. If I'm not buying it, if I'm not interested in it, if I don't see a potential future in it, I personally don't own a phone, or a car, what do you call it? Not a phone, I own a phone. Uh, a home, David owns the home. the home, he owns the cars. And so we've got nothing to talk about today, if that's why all you want. And so I say, no, thank you. Sometimes I say, oh, no, thank you. And I let it go, because I'm not gonna have a visit uh, where somebody's trying to convince me of anything or I'm trying to convince them of, of anything. And I don't feel like being clever. You know, some people have have clever things. David's dad, oh, let me tell you about my day. <laughs> start to go on about it. And, and, but that's not the point. The point is, I can't afford to hate these people who call. They're doing a job. They're trying. I don't love that this is the way the business runs the, anymore. I, they must sell to somebody or they wouldn't keep doing it. It's like the National Enquirer. Somebody reads it. Or they wouldn't keep selling it in the newsstands. So for us to hate the you know the gossip rags and what have you, it's so foolish. There are thousands and thousands of people buying it. Hate them. <laughs> Don't hate them. Don't hate them. But understand, oh, they're looking for something. Everybody's looking for God. When it comes down to it, everybody is looking for a way to feel loved or justify why they don't feel loved and so in anyone's resistance to pick up the phone it's because they're afraid of this love or that they won't get the love they want they're afraid of it but they want it to understand that and so you guys if you don't pick up the phone when you need companionship in your confusion and your frustration it's your resistance to love i can't tell you everybody you call is going to say yes come on over can't tell you that at all make the call anyway invite them to lunch invite them could, could we chat for a little bit i've had great success in life calling people to chat uh especially because people like to talk about themselves anybody I do. Uh, you met, I'm sure you've met David. Uh, but David has wise things to say. David has a lot of experience. And, so, and he's helped a lot of people. And so to call people up and ask them about their own experience is really uh, validating their worthiness. Now this... I just put this in the Friday newsletter. I don't know how many of you read it. James Dillard Friedman, who wrote the, wrote the Prayer for Protection. And he wrote this poem that says, I am there. We're gonna, next week we might have a song for it. I wrote to David and said, can you set this to music? It says, do you need me? I am there. You cannot see me, yet I am the light you see by. You cannot hear me, yet I speak through your voice. You cannot feel me, yet I am the power at work in your hands. I am at work, though you do not understand my ways. I am at work, though you do not recognize my works. I am not strange visions. I am not mysteries. Only in absolute stillness beyond self can you know me as I am. 
and then but as a feeling and as a faith. Yet I am there, yet I hear, yet I answer. When you need me, I am there. Even if you deny me, I am there. Even when you feel most alone, I am there. Even in your fears, I am there. Even in your pain, I am there. I am there when you pray and when you do not pray. I am there. Uh, I am in you and you are in me. Only in your mind can you feel separate from me, for only in your mind are the mists of yours and mine. Yet only with your mind can you know me and experience me. Empty your heart of empty fears. When you get yourself out of your way, of the way I am there, you can of yourself do nothing, but I can do all, and I am in all. Though you may not see the good, good is there, for I am there. I am there because I have to be, because I am. Only in me does the world have meaning, only out of me does the world take form. Only because of me does the world go forward. I am the law on which the movement of the stars and the growth of living cells are founded. I am the love that is the law's fulfilling. I am assurance. I am peace. I am oneness. I am the law that you can live by. I am the love that you can cling to. I am your assurance. I am your peace. I am one with you. I am. Though you fail to find me, I do not fail you. Through your faith, though your faith in me is unsure, my faith in you never wavers. Because I know you, because I love you, beloved, I am there. He wrote this when he couldn't find God when his wife was very sick. And he went home and said, God, where are you? I don't understand. Because you, we think no, the people we love aren't going to get sick. We're not fretting over the people that we don't know that are sick, but we do fret over those that we love. And so it's good to pay attention to that. Uh, when his wife had, when the doctor said he had terminal cancer, or she had, his wife Catherine had terminal cancer, cancer, he went to the silent unity prayer and healing room at unity headquarters. And he said, God, if you are there, please allow my Catherine to live. Oh God, where are you? And he said he would later recall that he hear, heard in a clear and empathetic voice. Do you need me? I am there. He looked around to see who was talking, but saw no one. While he bowed his head, he could still hear the words and felt the hope and the comfort. We need to, we can't control the outcome of a lot of things, but we can uh, put direct influence in the experience by what we are willing to experience. The voice is speaking all the time. And it's telling us we are loved and that uh, good is possible in all circumstances. Trust your life. Trust that love is present. Trust that there is good in your mind, in your body, and in your neighbor's mind and body, in your family's mind and body. When you're having those conversations with the invisible people, The ones who aren't in the bedroom with us. The ones who aren't in the car with us. When you're having those conversations, remind yourself, God is here. God is here moving among us. Hear God say, I am there. Hear love say, I am there. Hear peace and joy say, I am there. These are all your brothers and sisters. They ain't heavy. They're your siblings.
none of us are too heavy to uh, love. So reach out and let yourself be loved. And know that when you ask for help, you are giving yourself every opportunity to love and to be loved. The 100-pound foam is a myth. It's a fallacy. The phone is an opportunity to communicate the love that you are uh, saying you're willing to experience. So let's move forward this week in peace and joy and love. Thank you.